Hello, this is Tim Convoy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. Good morning. How many would rather be here than the best hospital in Indiana? Right, that's what I like to hear. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3. You can go anywhere you want, but that's where I'll be preaching. Acts chapter 3. Now, before we jump into the message, I've had a lot of people ask me about last Sunday, and as you know, it was the last day of deer season. Hey, I've even, I even had people laying hands on me at the door. I'm serious. That I would get a deer. Because... First time since 17 years old, that's 36 years now, that I have not gotten one. What happened was I preached a sermon on contentment that morning. Actually, I got out there, I said, all right, I get out there, and man, I, I, wanted, I just felt like I needed to go to this one stand at the top of the hill where there was a big raging creek between me and the hill, all right? So I'm like, man, how am I going to get there? Then I remember there was a big tree across, so I get across, so I got over there, got up to my stand, last 15 minutes of the day. First deer I've seen in the woods in 50 days. I haven't even seen one since opening weekend. So 15 minutes left, the shooting light, and I'm sitting there, 30 yards. That's a chip shot, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh. I said, thank you, D, for praying for me. <laughs> D said, let's lay hands on you and pray for you. However, I should have had you lay hands on my gun and pray for it. I had my muzzle loader. And afterwards, when I went to clean it, I see my scope is actually. I'm like, oh, how do you miss at 30 yards? Other than maybe the devil deflected it, you know. But I, it was a clean miss. I said, well, praise the Lord, it was just a clean miss. And I looked around, nothing, hunted around till dark. Finally, I said, it's 7 o'clock, I'm, I'm out of here. So I go to leave after the, the bang and the miss, and I get back down to the creek. Well, you know, Sunday started snowing and stuff. And, uh, well, I climb up the branches of the tree that's across the swollen creek, and I start across. And I got a little flashlight because it's dark. And so just as I started getting across, I'm like, wow, this is a little slippery. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I get baptized. <laughs> Remember, baptism, not by sprinkling, but by immersion. <laughs> just, just about a full immersion. All of a sudden, my feet, at first I thought they went this way, but they couldn't have. They went this way, and I went down, and I hit that log. Yes, keep that up. So hard. <laughs> I mean, I literally, I thought I broke my rib, but I must have just bruised it. Like, Psh, into the water. I'm this deep. And it was 21, 22 degrees, you know. The water, who knows what the water was, but it wasn't good for, for uh, making tea, I'll tell you that, or coffee. And I'm like, oh, now I can't breathe. I can't breathe because I bounced off the log. I can't breathe because I'm in freezing water. I'm like, and the current's pulling me under the log. And I'm like, you're not taking me, devil. 
<laughs> and, uh, and, and finally I crawl, claw my way back up to the top of the log. I'm, I'm sucking air. And I'm, now, I also realized in the process of going down, that my gun also went down. It's at the bottom of four foot of water on the other side of the log. So I know I got to get back in. <laughs> I was freezing. I was cold. I couldn't breathe. And I said, oh, here I go. And I jumped back in, feel around. You know how hard it is to find a gun in water that's in the 30s with your foot <laughs> holding the log and the current's going. Finally, I find it, go down, get it. But one praise was, just before I crossed, I had looked at my phone. I pulled my phone out, checked the time. I put it in my top pocket of my jacket, and the water it got wet, but not real wet. I could dry it out. And so at least the phone survived. <laughs> the gun, you know, it was just pull it up, pour it out, you know. And, and I survived, amen. <laughs> and I survived. So I was like, man, you talk about... You want to end with a bang and a flop, but it was a bang and a splash. So my dreams of my resolution of dropping 150 pounds before January 5th didn't come to fruition. However, there's another season I heard that's supposed to be coming next fall. So anyways, but thanks for praying. It sure was fun. And man, I mean, I, I had to drive home my long johns because I mean, I was just a sponge and just peeling off, like, oh, so cold. And I get home, you know, I got all my clothes dripping wet in my arms, my backpack, in my long johns, my socks, you know, they're like this long on your feet. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, nothing, just driving home in my long johns. You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's like, oh, I couldn't think of anything else to do. Sound like fun. Get a head start on getting an address when I get home, you know, but yeah, so thanks for the excitement. Um, thanks, Dee, for praying. The, the deer was there for the taking. We, next time we, next time I'll just bring in my gun. We can lay hands on that as well and pray for it. But uh, so this year the deer won. Worse than that, my brother won. He got two deer. Oh, boy. We won't get there. All right. Are you there in Acts chapter three? Everyone keeps asking me, what happened last Sunday? What happened? Did you get one? Did you? No, I didn't get one, but boy, did I get it. So it was, uh, now the littles were coming in. They didn't get to hear the story. So uh, you can share. What's that? They'll have to get the CD. You know, some people watch the uh, sermons online to hear the messages. Others watch them to see what their husbands wore to church that day. I don't know if you saw it going around Facebook. Somebody in Colorado watches service, says to somebody here, how could you let your husband wear that in church? You know? <laughs> and so someone else is trying to go online to see what their husband wore to church that day. I go, okay, so uh, quite interesting. I don't know if Shelly ever found out what John was wearing <laughs> that day. It was funny, someone in Colorado texts back to here, Facebook, you know, and they're searching, so... By the way, what a great ministry. People are watching services literally all over, all over our country, and, and uh, some pick them up across the country, pick them up in the other parts of the world. Uh, missionaries that are in church at 9 in the morning, is, in Europe anyways, it's 3 in the afternoon, so they get to watch 
some services. And, uh, and so it's a great, great ministry, and praise the Lord for the tech team that put it together, make it possible, live and archived as well. Okay, Acts chapter 3. Follow with me. We're going to pick it up, verse 1 again, refresh our memories. We're going to go down 1 through 11, then we're going to jump down to verse 16, so kind of get a mental picture where that's located. Okay, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Remember, that means they did not go up for the afternoon sacrifice. They went up for prayer that praises the Lord for the sacrifice offered. So they, they know Jesus is the sacrifice. They didn't go for that. They just went to praise the Lord for His sacrifice. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Remember that word meant vitality and vigor of life. It means the, the bloom of life. Matter of fact, remember, it, it, it meant uh, symmetry in motion is that word beautiful there. Uh, but he was, this man was put every day to beg from those going into the temple. So he's on the outside as they're going in, he would meet them. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us, exclamation point, emphatic. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. God bless you. And instantly, God bless you, the man's feet and ankles were strong. God bless you. You need to stop it over there. It's okay. It's okay, Christy. It's okay. I feel compelled to bless you. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God and carrying on like a wild man. <laughs> kind of inferred, isn't it? What a great picture that is. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who, notice, past tense, used to sit begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade or Solomon's Porch or, or Solomon's Portico. Verse 16. Peter, now we'll, we're going to go back over to other verses next week, but drop to 16. By faith, Peter speaking, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Father, we ask your blessing. We ask your presence Lord, what a waste of time if we show up and your Spirit does not move amongst us. So, Lord, we just come in faith believing that you are going to work. We come expecting your power. We expect your Spirit's presence. We expect your, your insight into your Word. And, Father, I ask that you will fill me by your Spirit. 
You will preach through me, Lord. You will preach to me. And that, Lord, you will add to the message everything that belongs. Take from it everything that does not. Hide me behind the cross. And, Lord, may today be a day that we have some self-evaluation. And we look at what it is in our need, in our lives that is a need. What is it that's broken? What is it that's crippled? What is it that's unable to function the way it's designed to in our personal lives, in our relationships, in our finances, in our work? Whatever it is, Lord, help us to look at that which needs fixing and help us to look to the fixer in faith. Father, work in our midst, we ask, and anoint us, we pray, in Jesus' powerful name that is above all names. And all God's people said, amen. amen and amen. The cure that changed the crowd. Now, we remember, as we recall, the previous chapter, chapter 2, was the day of Pentecost. This is where thousands, tens of thousands, literally hundreds of thousands come to Jerusalem each year. They'll come on three different trips to Jerusalem. This is one of the highest uh, journeys, if you will. So here in the temple, even though uh, Pentecost has passed, God bless you, it is still continuing. There are still many crowds there. You know how it is. It's kind of like when you're around a, a metropolitan area, and you know it's now rush hour. Everyone's leaving. So you say, you know what? I'm going to hang around another hour or so, half hour, let the, the flow of the traffic leave, and then we will leave. And often was the case in Jerusalem. You know, at the end of uh, the Feast of Pentecost and other feasts, uh, they would begin to leave, and uh, many, many crowds would leave. Others would stay behind and then would leave afterwards after rush hour. And so it's the same idea even in those days. So here we see thousands, if not tens of thousands, because after all, 5,000 are going to give their life to Jesus this day. 5,000 will be saved this day. So there had to be many, many thousands because not everyone, obviously, got saved that day. But here's what I want us to remember. These crowds were not on their way to a Billy Graham crusade. They were not going to the temple to hear Peter preach that day. They were not going there because the apostles were there. They were not going there to hear about Jesus. As a matter of fact, their reason for being at the temple had nothing to do with the apostles, and in their mind had nothing to do with Jesus. They were going there out of religious ritual because they have to go, because they're obligated to go. They are going not with the idea, you know, maybe today I'll see Jesus. Maybe today He'll change me. Jesus was the furthest thing from their mind right now. They are going because they are in this religious obligation. Friends, I want to tell you something you already know. Religion is always hollow. It's always empty. It always leaves you dry. It always puts you in a ritual and a motion. And over time, that ritual begins to dig a rut. And we can get in that rut of tradition. We can get in that rut of ritual. And we can find that, that you know what? It takes something major to kind of knock us out, to jolt us out of that rut. Like snatching you out of a, uh, a mud hole. You know? I see a lady's going, oh yeah, that's, that's snatching them out. I, I buried my truck last year. Praise God, Stan uh, Kurtz came to my rescue. My side view mirror is typically this high. It was three inches below my pocket. 
slightly buried. A few miles out in the woods. <laughs> but we got the snatch line on it, and, and here I am in this rut, and none of my four tires are even touching the ground, and fortunately, Stan was able to go and snatch me out of that rut. And praise God, the truck lives today. Well, it's at the doctor's again. But crazy thing. But it took something major to get me out of that rut. And let me tell you something, friends. When we are in the rut of religion and the rut of tradition, and, and by the way, even we can get in that rut. Even we can fall into the rut of just going through the spiritual motions and forget that it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen? We forget that and we fall back into that rut. And when that happens, often we need something to jolt us out, to pull us out, to snatch us out of that. Tens of thousands this day were stuck in that rut. But praise God that God knows exactly how to get our attention, how to free us from the rut, and how to change our direction. Amen? He knows exactly what it was going to take to turn 5,000 people from religion to relationship, from a rut to a life in Jesus Christ. And friends, when I look at this, I realize that what God chose to deliver these people was not a a dynamic sermon. It was not a dynamic sermon or a sizzling sermon or Peter getting up there and really letting them have it that delivered them. Now, he will preach. He'll give the gospel. But what delivered them was when they saw a crippled man delivered. What got their mind and their attention was God did something in this person's life and they need to find out about it. You see, it wasn't the sermon that got their attention. It was the deliverance that got their attention. Isn't it amazing? 5,000 will get saved this day. 3,000 got saved when Peter preached at Pentecost. More got saved, more attention was drawn at this event than we see at previous. But as we look at this cure from this man, I want us to notice a few things. First of all, the cure was activated by faith. The cure was activated by faith. Again, verse 16, by faith. In the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know and was made strong, is in G- it is in Jesus' name, second time that's mentioned, and faith in the faith that comes through him that he gives this complete healing to him as you can all see. By the way, did you there's a lot in that word complete, isn't there? I mean, we just read and say, well, yeah, look at this guy's ankles were healed and he was able to get up and walk. Stop and think about this. This was a man, the scripture says, that, that he was 40 years in this condition. Over 40, the next chapter will tell us. He was in this condition from birth. It wasn't that he, you know, was 20 years old, had an accident, and could no longer walk. And then his, his legs went into atrophy. It wasn't like the muscles just started deteriorating and, and that, you know, he wasn't able to walk any longer. This was a man who was born. As a baby, he was born crippled. 
As a boy, he was crippled. As a man, he was crippled. That means his muscles never developed. This wasn't someone who learned to walk and then at 20 had to learn to walk again. This was someone who never learned to walk. You know, we got a a one-month grandbaby, a little over a month. Looking forward to her taking her first steps. Watch the other grandsons do it, and now they're they're running. I mean, the grandsons, they're crazy. My son comes home, and he sees the training wheels off in the driveway, and my grandson riding his bike down the road. Six years old. Took the training wheels off himself. Said, I can do this. Poof, and off he went. <laughs> he was like, okay. So his younger brother, who's five, said, I can do it too. And off he went. Of course, he didn't put the bolts, the nuts back on tight. <laughs> He's like, hey, if you're going to do it, put the nuts back on the, the wheel, you know. So uh, he had to laugh about that. But you know, when a, you know when a baby, I remember what a struggle it was walking. You remember that? Yeah, right. First, we're standing and we're holding the couch and we're doing this number, you know, and down we go, right? And then we finally get this right. We, okay, well, good. And then we start reaching out for the, the footstool or the table or whatever it is. And then, and then down we go. And then next thing you know, we take a step and down we go. And then we take two steps, down we go and up we go. And before you know, we start learning to walk. Do you remember that? I know, we were all born at a very young age, and it's hard to remember these things. But you know the process, don't you? They don't come out of the womb and say, okay, you know, you're about a year old, it's time to get up and run now. Okay, and then up they go and off they go. Seems that quick, but it's not that quick. It takes time to learn this. Here is a man whose legs in which the muscles did not deteriorate, the muscles did not uh, shrink down with atrophy over the, the time. This is a man whose legs, you've seen people in this condition, they're very skinny. They're just flesh and bone. There's no muscle. He never developed muscle over time. This miracle not only put the bones of his ankle back together and put his feet in the right position, but this miracle, by the time he was sitting down and got up, was a miracle of muscles attached to those legs and ligaments attached and cartilage that hadn't been moved in all these decades, four decades, and muscles that were able to not only get him to stand, he didn't stand, step, and fall and stand. He got up and started walking immediately. There was the, the, the miracle of coordination. Amen? We need that miracle, don't we? Especially crossing those logs, right? (laughs) The miracle of balance. He had his balance. You talk about a miracle. It wasn't just the ankles. Jesus healed his ankles, his feet, his bones, his ligaments, his cartilage, his muscles, his coordination, his balance, everything about He wasn't just walking, man. He was jumping. (laughs) It's like, wow, how long you been doing this? About a minute and a half. Man, this was a miracle. So when he says that it was through Jesus, you've seen this man has been given complete healing. He was completely healed. Amen? Man, there's a lot of miracles going on here, isn't there? We just think, well, yeah, just fix his ankles, and up he went and off he went. Wow. And I'm sure there's so much more that took place here that I have no idea about. I don't know what happens, all the veins and muscles, the veins that go through your muscles. I don't, all I know is that Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. And Jesus can do anything, right? 
Restore muscles, restore bones, restore cartilage, restore ligaments, restore veins, restore everything. Give to him something he never had before, coordination. Give to him balance he never understood before or needed before. And now all this comes together and then give him the knowledge of how to use it and how to do it. So as we look here, we realize that, that he comes out, Peter says, now wait a minute, I want you to know that what you see here and the completeness of this man was due to faith in the name of Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ, this man was made whole. Through faith in his name. By the way, the name of Jesus is the name as described in the Word of God, Jesus. All right? There's a lot of people named Jesus these days, right? It's a different Jesus, right? It's a different Jesus. Unless it's a Jesus of the Bible, it's always a different Jesus. Are you with me on this? As I say, unless it's the God of the Bible, it is a different God. Listen, young people, I want to help you here. When people tell you that we're all praying to the same God, unless it's the God of the Bible, we are not praying to the same God. Allah is not the God of the universe. God of the Bible is the God of the universe. Jehovah, Elohim, El Shaddai, and all the names that he's described by in the Word of God. Don't be fooled by those that want to say, oh, no, no, no. The, you know, as long as we're all going to the same place. Well, guess what? We're not. Narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. Broad is the road that leads to destruction, right? One to eternal life, he says, unfortunately, few that be that are on it. So don't let us think that, it, you know, well, it's just, any name will do. This just has to be the name of Jesus. It's the, it's the Jesus of the Bible. It's not the Jesus. By the way, the Muslims have a Jesus. But that Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. Are you with me? They have other people that we know from the Bible, but they're not the same as the ones in the Bible. Only those described by God are the true ones. Whether it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, whatever. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God in the flesh. Now, let me, let me help us on faith a little bit. Because here's where we struggle. First of all, faith is not simply believing. You go, oh, wait a minute, I thought it was. Faith is not simply believing. Because the Bible says that the devil believes, and is he saved? No, he trembles. He believes Jesus is the Son of God. He believes that he is the Savior of the world. He believes he's saved, but he's not saved. Faith is not simply believing. Faith is belief that causes us to totally trust in Him. In other words, we are moving our trust off of ourselves and placing our trust totally on Jesus Christ. Faith, friends, is when we realize this truth and then we move what we believe into our trust system. You, you've seen it. I've done it many times. Well, not many, but a few other times before. About a chair. I can believe all day long that this chair can give me rest. I can believe all day long that this chair can support me. That's belief. But faith then takes that belief and trusts the chair to support me. And that then allows me to rest in the chair's support. You with me on it? 
It's not me just sitting back here. Oh, I believe He can do it. Oh, I can believe He can help me. I believe He can touch me. Well, do you believe enough where you are trusting Him to do it? Or are you just believing? The devil believes that Jesus can heal people. The devil believes that Jesus can do anything and everything. But he doesn't trust in Him. He doesn't learn to rest in Him, and he never will. He'll always fight Him. You and I are not called simply to believe that Jesus can. You and I are called to trust that Jesus will. To trust that Jesus is able. To trust that Jesus is God, and we're not. And I can rest in the fact that Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's not the Jesus of others that want to lob off your head. That's not Jesus. My Jesus loves me. My God loves me. My Jesus said, by my stripes you're healed. Amen? That's what he, he says. I want you to put your faith in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Let's see, you forget which Jesus I'm talking about, he said. And that's what he said to the, to the man, right? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want you to make sure you put it in the right Jesus. And so this man exercised faith. He believed that Jesus could help him to walk, could heal him, could work in his body. And this man then put faith in Jesus' name, and he trusted in Jesus' ability, and he rested in his power. Now, Scripture says it was in his name, but here's something that we miss. Verse 16. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him. The faith that comes through him. Well, wait a minute. I thought the faith comes through us. And if I must, I got to muster up enough faith. Good word to use, by the way, right? Because mustard. Because the Lord said the faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain, right? In other words, faith is an absolute. Faith is not something that has to grow in size. Even though the disciples said, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. You ever heard that? You ever heard disciples help? Lord, increase my faith. Now, but then the Lord said, wait a minute, faith is an absolute. It could be the size of a mustard seed and you can move a mountain. So what are you saying? It's not the size of the faith. It's the application of the faith. Lord, help me to believe. I believe you in this situation. Help me to believe you in this situation. Help me to believe you in that situation. Increase my faith in the sense of my application of faith. Are you with me on this? And so here when we see faith, we need to realize it's the application of this faith, but that faith comes through Jesus Christ to us. For we're saved by grace through Faith, and that, the antecedent being faith, and that faith is not of yourself, this is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, you and I, sometimes we feel like we it's in us, man, we got to believe harder and believe cleaner and make sure that we, we do all these things right and make sure we go to and get Sunday school and get all our gold stars and never miss service and don't forget those devotions. Oh, goodness, I forgot to pray today. You know, we think, man, if I only do all these things, well, then I'm going to get that blessing. Listen, it doesn't come through you self-generating it. 
The faith and the power and the ability comes through Jesus Christ. That's why you're wondering why I have a lamp up here. I know. This lamp is good for maybe a paperweight, maybe a little direction right now, or decoration. But this lamp is no good for what it's designed for or what it was created for. In and of itself, right here, what good is it? Right? Another decoration. And it's kind of a weird decoration. However, this lifeless lamp right now, when placed into the receptacle, correctly, all of a sudden comes to life. All of a sudden now, this, what was in here, now goes, now, it's not the faith of this lamp going into the, oh. When I was in Italy, they said, you already know half the Italian language with your hands. <laughs> Get away from breakable objects, Tim. See how coordinated I am? I can even walk across a log. <laughs> but it wasn't that, the ability of this lamp to say, man, I am going to light. I am going to illuminate. I am going to take that tungsten steel and show it what for. But it wasn't this at all. It was all this, wasn't it? Receptacle. It means it receives. This lifeless cord that had nothing in and of itself to generate that, nor could, if this could believe or think, all the belief in the world could not light itself. It was only when it believed that in here, whoops, I gotta watch these hands. To believe that in here is the ability to generate light in here. Are you with me on this? Here's where we Christians get off base oftentimes. We think that, man, I just, and by the way, how sad that sometimes people are told you didn't have the right faith, you didn't have the right kind. Man, I was never so heartbroken when I. When someone was delivered a few months back because someone had told them when their child died that they didn't have the right faith. If they only had more faith, their child would not have passed. What is that? That is not of God. That's not of God. And who are we to judge another man's faith? We don't know what faith they have. We don't know the mind of God. How can we lay such a burden on someone like that? Man, I tell you what, that is not of God, and that is not edifying. Amen? Praise God, decades later, this person was delivered not too long ago. Praise the Lord. Amen? The Word of God can deliver from that. But here's what happens. Over time, we say, Pastor, I've been praying for this. I've been praying and praying and praying and nothing's happening. And you know what happens? We just kind of give up. Is there still power in this cord? If I bite this cord, how many want me to? I would. Just don't bet me a dollar because then I... Class clown used to do this. There's still power in this cord, isn't there? But, also, but there's a hindrance right here. There's something in, in the way. Do you know when, when Daniel prayed... 
God answered his prayer. Do you know it took three weeks for Daniel to get the answer to that prayer? Because the, the prince of Persia, which i.e. now Iran, the prince of Persia, Satan, there, he hindered that prayer going to Daniel. Michael came and fought him, if you will, and, uh, and then the prayer eventually got delivered. But do you realize that not all healing is instantaneous? Was this man's healing instantaneous? Absolutely. But yet when you read in, in Mark 8, you're going to read about a man who's going to come to Jesus blind, and Jesus is going to spit in his eyes. you got to love the way he does things. Right? I couldn't imagine being blind and hearing. Yeah, I'm serious, you know. And all of a sudden you feel this. Okay. I'm serious. I mean, isn't that what happened? I'm not making this stuff up. And he, and then he says, how's that? Can you see? And you remember what he said? I see men like trees walking around. Didn't he? And then he touched them again. And he could see clearly, didn't he? <laughs> no, sorry, I didn't mean to hit the funny bone. And then in John 9, another guy, he probably saw how it was, no, I didn't see how it was done earlier. But another blind guy comes to Jesus, and Jesus then goes, <laughs> spits on the ground and makes some clay. And I was like, what's he doing? And he didn't ask, how's that? He didn't even ask, can you see? He goes, Okay, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Can you imagine if someone just, on your eyes, and you're like, really? And now I got to go to the pool of Siloam? Where's that? Yeah, don't, yeah, I got to be careful. You know me too well. And he goes to the pool. I can almost hear the devil in the crowd next to this guy trying to get to the pool. I'm sure he was being led. I can hear the devil. Are you crazy? Are you kidding me? Do you really think this is going to work? This isn't going to work. Just wipe it off yourself and go home. Give up. Forget it. You know how far it is to the pool of Siloam? Do you realize that's the king's pool? It's down to the bottom of the hill? you got to go downhill. Just forget it. I could hear the devil walking beside him telling him it's not going to work. And he wants to be that switch right here. The power's already been applied. But the devil says it's not going to work. Forget it. Give up on it. And he could have gone, yeah, might as well forget it. But instead he went down to the pool of Siloam and he washed his eyes and he came away what? Seeing. Seeing. He was dragged before the Sanhedrin. This guy will be as well. He'll be dragged before the Sanhedrin. And they'll say to him, Say now that Jesus is a sinner. I don't know who he is. All I know is, I once was blind, but now I see. Amen? He goes, that's what I know. He, at this point, he hadn't even met Jesus. I mean, he, you know, he was brought into this trial. He was put on trial. And then when it was all over, he's saying, who is this Jesus? And do you remember that? And Jesus said, 
the one you now see is him. And immediately he fell down and worshiped him, didn't he? He was there at the trial with him. He didn't realize this was the one that just healed him. These guys tell him they deny Jesus. He goes, I can't deny that. All I know is once I was blind, but now I see. And later he finds out, you're the one to heal me? Boom, down he goes. He says, thank you, Jesus. But friends, right here, the devil says, ah, turn off that switch. It's not going to work. You've been praying that for how long now? How long has that walk to the pool of Siloam? How long has it been since you've offered the same? Has it been 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years you've been crippled like this? And yet, with that one flip of the switch, the Holy Spirit can answer that prayer and bring healing. The point is this, friends. Don't put God in a box. Don't say this is how it always is. That when God heals you instantaneously, all the limbs are working and everything. Or because other times you can see, well, God healed him and he, he wasn't healed until he went down to the pool of Siloam. But as far as God was concerned, he was healed. Or the man who said, I see men like trees around. You know, there, God does every single healing in Scripture is different from every other healing in Scripture. Don't think that yours has to be like someone else's. Amen? And don't think because you've been praying all these years, all these decades, well, then he doesn't hear you because your faith isn't strong enough. Let me tell you, your faith is never strong enough to light the light. <laughs> it's Jesus Christ who lights the light. It's Jesus Christ. It's our recognition. Unless I break this thing, I'll need it next service. I'll get away from it. <laughs> It's our recognition that in Jesus is our healing. And faith activates the cure. And not only was the cure activated, activated by faith, but the cure also worked in this guy's life and changed his life completely. It generated a new life for him. I mean, think about it. You talk about a changed life. This guy didn't have life. He barely had existence. He woke up in the morning. He was lifted up. He was fed, lifted up, carried to the temple gates, laid down until someone came to get him. If they couldn't get there in time and a rainstorm comes in, guess what? Guess who's sitting out in a rainstorm? This isn't life. He didn't go anywhere. He didn't do anything. He didn't take a walk through town like you and I could. This man had only existence before he met Jesus Christ. But you talk about his boundaries expanding exponentially. <laughs> this guy's life changed, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Can I get a witness? Amen. This guy's life all of a sudden was so narrow. He saw the same wall every day. The same gate, probably the same people going through, except on this, these holidays. He went through the same experience. Nothing changed. And yet this day, his entire life changed. He also now, not only his physical body changes, his boundaries expand. He sees things he's never saw before. He hears things he's never heard before. He, he's able to do things he's never done before. Life bursts through this man. Listen, friends, when you and I get saved, you know how you know you got it and didn't just hear about it. 
The way you know you got it is because something changes in here that changes you out here. You get that? You're gonna, you'll hear things different. You'll see things different. You, you're gonna say, wow, this, you know, the colors are more colorful. Just like, wow, something really changed. But friends, it's not that something changed, it's that someone changed. Jesus Christ saves us. All of a sudden, we who thought we had life only had existence. Tell them I'm busy. Now, we have life. Mike, is that you? Mike Smith? No? Oh, it's for sure. We don't, we're not even, we don't even know. Pay no attention. Remember, drop on the floor and kick it up to Travis. <laughs> no, Travis, it's okay. <laughs> By the way, if you're visiting with us today, we believe Christianity is fun. Amen? Amen. You don't have to be dragging your chin. It's always respectful. Amen? But we keep the fun and fundamental. Amen? Focus, Tim. When it comes to this man's life changing, I mean, one of the first things that changed, all of a sudden now he's got new life. Now he's got new friends. I love verse 11. While the beggar held on to Peter and John. Literally means to latch on, to grab. So here's Peter and John. The beggar's up, jumping around, walking, running, saying, this is awesome. They're going in the temple. Now, did the beggar need Peter and John to keep him upright? No. But, but the beggar says, you know what? You guys aren't going anywhere. No, you're going to the temple. I'm going to the temple. Also, wherever you're going, I'm going. Man, you guys need to tell me more about this Jesus that just changed my life. This beggar got new friends. And friends, let me tell you, when we give our life to Christ, we have our old friends, but Jesus brings new friends into our lives. It's not a matter of you leaving your old friends. Like I said, if they don't want anything to do with Jesus, they'll leave you. Don't worry about it. It's a matter of all of a sudden, now you're introduced to new friends. Man, I'll tell you, I, I've never known so many friends until I came to Christ my Savior. I'm like, wow, look at all these friends. And they stay around longer than the party's over. Right? We have friends that come in our life, and God brings them in. We need to latch on to God's people and say, you know what? Help me, teach me, show me more about Jesus. Now, I, I believe that this crippled man had a great ministry to the other beggars and cripples there. Do you think he just went home to his house and never said anything about it? I bet you he went back and said, hey, guys, let me tell you something. And he probably shared Jesus with everyone that was crippled. And, and he would say, I was crippled for 40 years, and now look at me. And they probably would all say, yeah, sure, whatever. But I didn't believe it. Some did. But this man... I'm sure had a ministry to the cripples, ministry to the beggars. But he did not go back and live like the beggar. He did not go back and sit like the cripple. He did not go back and act like the broken in order to reach the broken. You follow me on this? When we get saved, we don't go back and act like the old Tim in order to reach the old friends of Tim's. We have a new life in Christ, and we encourage those to come out from amongst them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Amen? It's not a matter of going back and saying, well, I'm going to go back and wallow in the mud with them and tell them how Jesus can save them. The Lord says, come out of the mud. By the way, you know, the only way to keep a pig out of the mud 
short of barbecuing them. <laughs> you could take them out and you could wash them, but guess where he's going to go right back to? Back to the mud. The only way to keep a pig from going back to the mud, which comes natural, is to change his nature. And that's what the Lord says. You know, a sow returns to the mud after it's been washed. But Jesus takes Tim, the old pig, and he, the unclean man, and he changes his nature into a sheep. You know, sheep, when they get matted and their wool gets matted with mud, it could kill them. You realize it? Sheep don't wallow in the mud. They should. They don't belong there. What am I saying? I'm saying, don't go back in the mud hole to help get the pigs out of the mud hole. Stay in the edge of the mud hole and say, hey guys, come on, come on out. God bless you. Because you could take, listen, you could take a greasy shirt and a white shirt and rub them together and you will get two white shirts, right? No. You'll get two greasy shirts. He says, the white shirt needs to tell the greasy shirt, guess where I just got cleaned? And you can get clean too. Friends, we need, we need to remember this. I've had friends of mine that got saved, and I know they're saved, gloriously saved. And yet, they felt they had needed a bar ministry. There's one bar they used to go to all the time. God bless you, God bless you. And so they would go to this bar, and he continued to keep going there to reach his friends and to reach his friends. And guess what? No one else was coming out. No one else was getting saved. No one else was being reached. Now, he didn't have to be in that environment to save them out of that environment, right? Now, Jesus obviously saves them out. But to draw them out, he could stay outside of that environment where he did not belong and can reach the ones. I remember I was out street witnessing one day. It was in Florida. And I used to like to stack different colored tracks, you know, like blues, reds, greens. And then I would fan them out. I'd say, if there's a group of people there, I'd say, all right, pick a color, any color you want, but don't fight over them. And man, they all want one. And so this bar had a little fence that separated from the sidewalk. And, uh, and I go up to this group, i say, all right, guys, pick a color, any color you want. You know, and ooh, they're all grabbing tracks. So they're grabbing gospel tracks. And uh, then they're in there, like, looking at these things, just on the other side of this little fence. And then one guy in the back says, Hey, I've already done this. Jesus is my Savior. And I said, Then what are you doing back there? And everyone else said, Yeah, what are you doing back here? <laughs> everyone said, I'm like, Woo, like, okay. And the point is, this beggar, though he ministered to the beggars, didn't have to go back and be a beggar didn't have to go back and act like a crippled to reach the cripples. He went back with the good news of Jesus Christ. You and I need to understand this, especially in our day and age, because He brings new life to us. He brings new friends to us. He brings a new direction to us. And by the way, the direction that this man went, when he got saved, did you notice where he went? He went into the temple. He had been on the outside looking in all this time. He'd always been laid outside the gate and we're getting him as they went in. And yet here he, here this time, now he gets saved. Now he receives healing. Now he believes in Jesus' name. And now he's praising God. But instead of running back to the town, he goes into the temple. Now you would think he'd say, well, they don't need to hear about it in there. Uh, this is a house of God. 
But instead, he turns around with his new life of his and heads into the temple, a new direction. And he went from having a cure that was activated by faith. He went from having a cure that generated new life to a cure that motivated others to come see. He went into the temple, and I love the picture. He's, he's, He's walking and jumping, and he made such a spectacle of himself that everybody in there said, Hey, look at that guy. Hey, isn't that the one that's been begging out front? Hey, isn't that the one who used to beg out front? And behold, now he is walking and praising God. All of a sudden, here he is in this whole new setting, and, and, and he's jumping. and he, I could, he probably had a smile the size of the horizon. I mean, I'd, I'd have had a grin on my face about this big. I'm like, man, look what God did to me. Did he care about what everyone thought about him? He didn't care two hoots, did he? He didn't care. He was jumping like, woo yeah, praise God. And he didn't care what they thought about him. He didn't care what he looked like. All he knew is what God did in his life, and that effervescent spirit bubbled up in him, came out of him, and everyone around him noticed it. Had he concealed it and kept it in, guess what? 5,000 people would not have come to Christ that day if he'd have turned around and gone to town instead of going to the temple. 5,000 people would not have gotten saved that day. When I looked at this, and the Lord pointed out the fact that he went into the temple, and in there is where they got saved. The Lord pointed two things out to me. It starts in the temple before it spreads to the town. In other words, if we are not trusting God, not believing just on the external, if we are not trusting God and resting in God and seeing God work miracles in our life in here, how can we expect people in town to be trusting the Lord? How can we expect them to see miracles if we don't believe God can work them? How can we expect them to surrender to Christ if we in our hearts are not surrendering ourselves to Christ? It starts in the temple, and then it moves to the town. Amen? It doesn't start in the temple, it stays in the temple. I'm sure this guy went home that night. Can you imagine being the guy that picks them up at night? He shows up. Where's Harry? I don't know if his name is Harry, but it's probably Larry. Where's Larry? And then all of a sudden he comes around the corner. Joe, I'm right here, don't worry, I'm all set. He probably would have fainted. Imagine walking in the the door of his house. What happened to you? Let me tell you something. When Jesus gets a hold of your heart, people know something happened to you. I've had my dad went toe-to-toe with me. Oh, boy. about He's very, very smart, very intelligent. And and he would go toe-to-toe with me about doctrine. I was newly saved. And and I kept going back to the Bible. He says, can't you say anything without going back to that Bible? I said, if I do, it'll be my opinion and it'll be wrong. But this is what God says. And all I could do is tell you what God says. At the end of that conversation, remember he said to me, he said, Tim, I can argue doctrine all day long with you. But the only thing I can argue is that something happened to you. Something changed you. And I said, Dad, that something was Jesus Christ. He saved me. Well, he didn't get saved then. He ran for the Lord, but ran right into the Lord, praise God. He ends up 
meeting the Lord in Montana. I don't know if you know the Lord's in the mountains of Montana, but he is. With the elk. Meets the Lord there. Comes to know Christ as Savior. And today is with the Lord in glory. All because of Jesus working in his life, working in my life, working in the lives of others. So the point is this. It doesn't start in, if it doesn't start in the temple, it'll never get to the town. Don't expect something to happen in the town if it's not happening in the temple. And the second point is this, very simple. If you got it, share it. If you got it, share it. This man put his gift right to work. He shared it. It said the people saw him. Two things it said. They saw him and they heard him. And they responded, 5,000 of them. Seeing is not believing. Hearing is believing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They saw this man. They heard him praising God. And the gospel was given to them and it changed their lives. If you got it, share it. If God has healed you, if God has helped you, if God has delivered you, if God has brought you through something, if God has done anything in your life, if God has done something in your life, if you got it, share it. You don't just get it. You know, the man didn't get healed and stand up and say, wow, this is great. Thanks for coming. And then sit back down. You say, oh, that's crazy. No, that is crazy. It's as crazy as you and I having God work gloriously in our lives and us to say nothing about it. If you got it, share it. Father, as we close our service out, today I pray over our congregation. I pray for those who may be struggling with something they've prayed for for many years and nothing's happened. I pray, Father, that you will help them not to turn off the switch of prayer, not to stop believing that you will heal them or help them or minister to them. Help them, to, Father, today, fresh and new, believe that, you know what? I am believing God for my child's salvation. I am believing God for this healing. I am believing God for this breakthrough. I am believing God for the job. I am believing God for whatever it is. Lord, help our unbelief, we pray, to apply it in other areas of our life. Father, today, may the miracle start here with us. May the moving start here on us, but never, ever stop with us. May we receive it. May we share it. Freely we receive. Freely we shall give. If we got it, share it. Help us, Lord. This day we ask. And if there's even one that's not saved, whether here in our midst, whether listening over the Internet, Today I pray that they would put their faith in Jesus, that they would trust Him, they would rest in Him this day for their salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we sing. Maybe God's speaking to you today. Maybe today you say, you know what, I need, I need God's healing touch. I had this back injury. I got this leg injury. Maybe God's giving you a prophetic word today. He said, you know, share this. This is the day. You come today as our ministers are coming. They'll pray for you. But you come. You come. Let us pray for your healing. Let us pray for your touch. If you're not saved, a great day to be saved. Great day to know you have eternal life. As folks are coming, you come. You come.